there was an overweight guy who realized that he needed to lose some pounds, so he went on a diet, and he was doing very well. He was following it very strictly. He was diligent. He even took a different route to work every morning so he wouldn't drive past his favorite bakery. But one day, he carried a box of donuts into work, and his coworkers who knew that he was on a diet started making fun of him. He said, I, I, I can explain. You see, I accidentally drove by the bakery today, my favorite bakery, and I knew all these delicious donuts would be in the display case. So I started praying, and I prayed to God and said, if you really think I should have some of these delicious donuts, please let me know. Give me a sign by having an open parking space right at the very front of the bakery. And sure enough, right in front of the bakery at the perfect spot was a parking place on my eighth time around the block. (laughs) Temptation usually comes through a door that has been deliberately left open. I'm not sure who said that, but it doesn't take long to see the wisdom in that statement. There was a porta potty near the edge of a big steep hill. Every day young Bobby would walk by it on his way to and from school, and every day he would resist the urge, the temptation, to kick this porta potty down the hill. Well, this all changed one day when Bobby had a bad day at school. Um, he had to listen to a bunch of boring stuff at school that day, including a legend of how George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, and he told the truth about it, and he didn't get in trouble. And besides having to listen to all the boring stuff at school, he failed his math test. So he had had a really bad day. And on his way home from school, and actually he was going to head to his buddy's house, but on the way back from school, he passed by this porta potty again. And on this day, when he was so mad, he didn't resist the urge to kick the porta potty. He gave it a swift, strong kick as hard as he could. And he was satisfied as he watched this porta potty tumble end over end down the big steep hill. Well, he went to play with his friend, and he felt quite a bit better after he had got his anger out. And so he had a good time at his friend's house, but it was time to go home. And when he got home, his dad was there, and this, it was his dad who was in a bad mood now. And his dad asked him, son, did you see the porta potty at the bottom of the hill? Bobby said, yes. He said, do you know how it got there? Young Bobby thought about the lesson that he had heard in school, the legend of how George Washington chopped down the cherry tree and was honest about it. And so even though he didn't want to tell his dad the truth, he decided that he would tell him the truth. He said, I won't lie to you. It was me, dad. I kicked the porta potty down the hill because I was in a bad mood. And he was shocked when his dad snatched him up and whipped him immediately. And through tears, he, he, he was confused. He didn't understand. He said, why did you whip me, dad? George Washington, his dad didn't punish him when he chopped down the cherry tree. His dad looked him dead in the eye, and he said, when George Washington chopped down the cherry tree, his father wasn't in it. Let's talk about temptation today. Temptation has been defined as an enticement to do evil. That seems to be a very solid working definition uh, for temptation, enticement to do evil. Uh, Christian minister Charles Stanley said, three powerful forces work together to ruin a believer's character and witness. Satan, the world system, and our own lustful flesh tendencies. Or as it's usually put more succinctly, the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. Today we're focusing a lot on the devil. In the Bible, the devil is called the prince of this world. Jesus called him that in John 12. He's called the god of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and he's called the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Ephesians 2.2. 2. All of these speak to Satan's great level of power and control in this world. The prince of this world, the god of this age, small g, of course, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of these speak to Satan's great power and his ability to tempt in this world, yet the devil remains under God's sovereign control. In scripture, the devil is called very often the tempter. So let's think about some ways that the devil tempts us. A survey of discipleship journal readers, which discipleship, discipleship journal is just what it sounds like. It is a journal, a magazine that is dedicated to Christian discipleship. And discipleship journal readers ranked areas of greatest spiritual challenge or temptation in their lives. First was materialism. Second, pride. Self-centeredness. Laziness, sometimes called sloth. Five and six were a tie. Anger, bitterness, and sexual lust. Then came envy, gluttony, and lying. Survey respondents noted temptations were more potent when they had neglected their time with God. Surprise, surprise. 81% said that. When they were physically tired, 57%. Resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer. 84% said that. Avoiding compromising situations, 76%. Bible study, 66%. And being accountable to someone, presumably another believer, it's 52%. And I think all of that lays a bit of a foundation. Uh, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 4 today. Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at how Jesus faced some of his toughest temptations uh, with an eye toward learning how we can face temptation and overcome. How to stand strong against temptation. We'll start in verse 1, Luke 4, 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Now, this text, and not just these verses, but the succeeding temptations, they have sort of a spiritual showdown at the OK Corral feel to them. Satan fires off his biggest guns at Jesus, and Jesus fires back. This is a big spiritual showdown. Now, first in our text, God's word says that Jesus was full 
of the Holy Spirit. Here's an interesting fact for you. In Luke and Acts, which are sort of like parts one and two, in Luke Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 73 times. Maybe we should stop and take notice of that. 73 times. Does that seem important to anybody else? That cannot be by accident. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who leads, guides, strengthens, and empowers. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to a desolate wilderness area in a physically weakened state to face Satan's harshest temptations. It's more than interesting to me that in the second gospel, Mark says the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. That's obviously an even stronger term. The Holy Spirit leads, even drives Jesus into the wilderness. In both Gospels, it is clear that it is God's plan for Jesus to face these temptations. This is something that needs to happen or even something that must happen at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The text states that Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Jesus faced ongoing temptations, possibly summarized here, or these are highlights. But Jesus fasts for 40 days. Can you even imagine a 40-day fast? Sometimes some of us find it hard to fast for 40 minutes. (laughs) And that's not much of an exaggeration, is it? When you really want something... After Jesus fasted for 40 days, the Bible says he was very hungry. I think I could have figured that one out on my own. I don't know about you. He was very hungry. 40 days. Now, um, in the Bible, 40 is a very important number. Uh, it, is, it, it occurs many, many, many times in the text. Here's just a small sample. In the great flood in Genesis, it rains. 40 days and 40 nights, right. Moses was atop atop Mount Sinai receiving the law 40 days and nights. The children of Israel were punished by wandering in the wilderness for 40 years before a new generation was allowed to possess the promised land. The Israelite scouts searched the promised land for 40 days. Now, in his first temptation of Jesus, the devil has a two-pronged approach. First, he challenges Jesus to prove who he really is. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Do you think Jesus knew he was the son of God? Do you think the devil knew he was the son of God? But the devil tries to throw Jesus off balance to make him feel uncertain, seduce him into feeling as if he needed to prove himself. That's the first thing. And secondly, he challenges Jesus to get something for himself to eat, some bread, which I'm pretty sure must have sounded good to Jesus after 40 days with nothing to eat. Christian author John Ortberg has suggested that sin is often the attempt to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And that certainly appears to be the case here. Jesus was hungry. That's a legitimate need, right? But, but Jesus never, ever used his supernatural power in selfish ways. Think about it. Can you think of even one time in the Gospels when that happened? Jesus did not use his, his power in selfish ways just to meet his own needs. And he certainly was not going to use his power to give in to Satan's seductions. So how does Jesus meet temptation? 
here. Jesus meets temptation with Scripture, right? Jesus responded this way, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. You're telling me to turn these stones to bread. Jesus meets temptation with Scripture, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You think there might possibly be a lesson for us here. Now the second temptation, verse 5. The devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can you imagine such a thing? Verse 6. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Satan gives to Jesus a dizzying view of all the power and glory of all the kingdoms in the, in the entire world. Presumably, Satan had the power to grant this because Satan says he has the authority to give it all to Jesus, and Jesus never contradicts that. You can have it all, Satan whispers seductively, if you'll just worship me. Now, what's the subtext here? Maybe Satan wants Jesus to think of all the good he could do with all of these resources. Wouldn't that be intriguing? How many hungry people fed? How many naked people clothed? How many needy people given uh, substance that would be helpful to them? Wouldn't that be intriguing? And it would be easy to start rationalizing that way. And maybe Satan wants the Lord to contrast his offer all the power and glory of all the kingdoms in all the world with the path that Jesus was actually on at that moment, the path that has a big old cross near the end of it, and to weigh his options. Maybe power and glory could have looked pretty good. Several years ago, I started lifting weights several mornings a week with a buddy of mine. He was a chiropractor which meant that he had a whole lot more money than I had. Uh, and he lived in a big new house right on Lake Erie. When I started looking at everything he had, I'll be honest, this being rich stuff started looking pretty good. Satan wanted Jesus to look at what he was offering, sort of how Eve looked at the forbidden fruit. And he wanted Jesus to take a bite. Came across a great piece of wisdom this week, this past week. Free cheese is always available in mouse traps. The devil just wanted Jesus to take a bite, and he tried to entice him to do just that. Instead, Jesus said, The Bible says, Scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The Bible says, the scriptures say, God's word says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's great power in the word. Satan continued to tempt our Savior. A third time he does his worst. Verse 9. The devil took him to Jerusalem 
to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold up their hands so you don't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Satan takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem and urges him to jump off. You're so big on scripture, Jesus. Here's a scripture for you. He'll order, the devil knows some scripture, doesn't he? He'll order his angels to protect and guard you, and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a rock. You won't even get a stone bruise on your foot. And the gist of Satan's temptation may have been this. Do something spectacular. Be noticed. Get lots of free publicity. Think of how this will help your ministry. This will draw the people in like flies. Be spectacular. How does Jesus meet this third temptation? With scripture. Can't be an accident. Jesus' response was, the scriptures also say, you must not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus wasn't going to jump and expect his father to bail him out, to catch him. And he certainly wasn't going to take advice from the devil. Three times Jesus is tempted, and three times Jesus overcomes temptation with scripture. Jesus was faithful, and he passed the test. Every test, every time, always. The only human being who got 100% on this test, or even close. And in so doing, he demonstrates his qualifications to be the Savior, our Savior. There may be some lessons that we can learn by seeing how Jesus was able to overcome temptation. Billy Graham said, we can't flee from temptation in our own strength, but God will give us the strength if we'll only seek it. In the wilderness, in the desert, we saw how Jesus overcame temptation with Scripture. How about in the garden? How did Jesus face temptation? In prayer. Do you think there might be possibly something that we can learn by watching Jesus when he faces temptation? We need to realize that even though Satan is very clever and very dangerous, he is also a defeated foe. He is strong, but Jesus Christ is much stronger. We need to power up to face Satan's temptations. It would be, it would be wrong to talk about how clever and dangerous the devil is without acknowledging that there is victory in Jesus. Amen? Jesus successfully resisted every attack the devil ever threw at him. And Jesus told his disciples, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Thank God for that. That is good news. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If you didn't hear anything I said today, please hear that. Stay close to him. Tap into that amazing source of strength. Stay close to him and don't wander away. Don't leave that path and guard your heart. God's word says, above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
Avoid feeding on material that drags you down spiritually. Be wise about how you spend your time and where you allow your mind to drift. Watch your inner monologue, your thought life. Strengthen your appetite for the good. Cultivate an appetite for spiritual things. Surround yourself with people of faith. There's power in fellowship. Stay sharp spiritually. Be a prayer warrior. Immerse yourself in Scripture so that armed with God's truth, you can counteract all the lies and deceptions of the evil one. That's what Jesus did. Put on the full armor of God so that in the day of testing you can stand. I'm going to leave you with this. This is what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 6. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's stand and sing the song of encouragement. Uh, if you have a need on your heart, please come to the front. Let's encourage each other.